Hi guys, welcome to this episode of the Trainer Feed. We are your hosts. My name is Angel Sanchez, and we have Jacques Delager. Hey everyone, how's it going? And David Bravo is taking a leave of absence. He's in Chicago seeing his wifey. He's seeing his wifey. This is true. You got to make time for the wifey all day. Um, on this episode, we're just going to cover uh, one topic, which is uh, stability training. So I wanted to go over stability training before you know the holiday season is up. Um, we got a couple of things coming up and people come into the gym, people want to train and they overlook a couple of key concepts. And one is their stability. Um, I've just seen it over and over again, where as soon as people take their feet from a parallel stance or from like right directly underneath their hips, and they go into something like a asymmetrical stance or staggered stance or unilateral stance, it becomes like a game of Jenga almost. And their whole body is shaken. Um, similarly at the shoulder, same thing where like things above over the head tend to be like a lot less stable. Um, so focusing on those two areas in particular will be really good when you guys are getting back into the gym and or back onto your programs. And I've spoken about this a little bit before, um, fixing up the foundation or the base support seems to help and focusing on progressions and regressions. But before we dive into things to help with that, um, Jacques, have you experienced some of that stuff with either yourself or clients, um, them either lacking stability or needing to work on stability or maybe even a bit for yourself? 100%. I feel that's something anyone or everyone can really benefit from working on. I think as the reasons that you touched on just now where um, uh, I think the the I'll, I'll start off anyway is really looking at base support where sorry, that was me. Uh, really looking at that base support to um to, to just explore and modify it because that in itself is one of the simpler strategies to start off with as opposed to you know someone wanting to make it more complicated by adding a weight or you know having a jump into it or a landing you know like i think the first thing doing is just going from a neutral stance to a staggered stance, right? Whether like that can be enough for someone. That's been an experience where I have someone I'm working with right now. The balance is a real area of opportunity. And we do, uh, I was uh, reassessing the program whilst we were doing the workout. It was kind of like just comparing what he needs to work with, with how he's doing and how he's progressing with it. And it really is everything tacked into strength exercises, but it's staggered stance, deadlift. It's a staggered stance, single arm swing. It's just it's patterns he's he's familiar with, but taking a twist on. And I think that's just something sometimes keeping it simple with the progression. In terms of balance, I think it's really important to communicate that to people. I think maybe our generation might not think it's that important, but again, it, with um, increasing your chance of fighting off the risk of injury, but also if you see some, if, if let's say like our folks or people, the generation of our folks, so their balance and stability is an issue, they're starting to work on it now. Honestly, if you set yourself up now with a good foundation, the likelihood is when you reach say you 50, 60s, you're in a better spot for you a bit more, you know, I think um, I had 
uh, some members of family where stability was a real issue and they, they didn't, I mean, they were active, but strength training, I don't think was a regular part of their routine. I think that might have been something that could have done differently, but I mean, you know, it was hard to say, but, uh, what about you? Well, give me some examples of your, your experiences. Yeah. I got some people who are, you know, um, really challenged with their balance and stability. And, um, you don't, it's, it's interesting because you don't see it necessarily, when they're walking to and from places, but then as soon as you do certain exercises or you do an assessment, that's when you start to realize how unstable their bodies are and how many compensations happen because of a lack of their instability. So another question I was going to ask you is, do you, when you start with, when you start training people, do you have uh, a part of your assessment where you go over some part of their, you know, is there some stability component to it? And do you feel like that's important? I feel it's important. I don't think every person I work with gets the same exact method. I think, um, I think it, um, it's not a great answer, but I think it really can just depend. I think uh, I typically think even if someone is exhibiting good stability or balance um, in the FMS, for example, I still think those are going to be things we're going to work on. Maybe it's a little different where they have already a good foundation. So a, a stagger stance, um, single arm deadlift with a kettlebell, for example, is something that's going to be pretty straightforward, but that can already just start telling them, you know, like you're going to feel one hamstring being more active than the other because you have that split stance or, 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 or just again, thinking to push to the ball of the feet. And I often cue a couple of clients where they're in the stagger stance and that back heel is on the ground. I was like, oh, well, you, you're changing the exercise there. It's not a bad thing, but you're just changing. We're trying to work on your balance. And I think you just have to emphasize the, do, doing this slowly not rushing it and we spoke mm -hmm. in the past where your example was of carries and people like beam across the floor like, oh that's it i'm done like, that wasn't bad like because he's like yeah. no like just take your time in the exercise like no if you're doing it right like you're gonna feel it so but going back to your question i typically you know i've used the fms i think ultimately if you see how someone can pull from the floor squat push pull i mean with their injury history in mind see what they can do with all of it and I mean, I've definitely been in the scenario where you think this person shouldn't be able to do this based on the FMS and vice versa, and it'd not be the case. So I think it just, once you get to the actual, the the meat and potatoes of the workout or, or the exercise selection where, you know, the FMS says they shouldn't be able to squat or shouldn't be able to hinge, you know, based on hamstring flexibility. But in one kettlebell workshop that I did, they said, oh, assistance is, sorry, resistance is assistance so that's not the case for everything but let's say in a deadlift for example if someone did have restricted hamstring flexibility having a load assuming that it's not compromising their form or their spine for example that might be enabling them to help them to improve that pattern um there might be other factors in play with reducing the amount of uh distance they're traveling in the hinge you know like uh elevating the, the load they're they're deadlifting with or or or, or you know rack pull for example but i think ultimately trial and error, trial and error and just I'd, I'd say take excuse me take the the assessment you do the observation with a pinch of salt that it may or may not exhibit them being able or clear to do an exercise for the most part it's probably going to be pretty straightforward but you're going to get some cases that um you know like oh like they've pressed overhead a certain way their whole life um, or previous workouts. And it's maybe not as been the way I try and uh, phrase it to people is not what you've been doing is wrong. If something doesn't look functional for them, it's, I think there's a more functional way for you to do it in according to your body. So, you know, like some people, the Arnold press doesn't feel good for them, but Hey, like you might be 
your anatomy might be of the um might be of the nature to be able to do an arnold press pretty routinely without any pain someone else might be might be different just depending on how they're put together so that's just what i would say it's just that's how i phrase it like okay you may have been doing this way i think there's a i think there's a more functional way for you to do it and just to be safe um that's how kind of i would put it but going back to your original question i think it can it can depend a little bit how about you um yeah i mean there's a lot that you kind of reminded me of i think we should probably take some time maybe when david's here um when David gets back from seeing his wifey to talk about the FMS and or other assessment tools and how we each carry out our assessments. Just because I think to your point about sometimes you see something or you see somebody and you're like, if you do this, then likelihood is you won't be able to do that or vice versa if you can do this. And then you see them carry out both movements and they look well, or you see right. them carry out both movements, and they look terrible. Um, so one thing doesn't necessarily correlate to the other. And then how we can actually make assessments more specific for the client. Um, obviously it becomes tricky because people come from different places, but maybe having different assessment protocols uh, depending on the person that you're actually working with. I think that that will be something good to cover um, one of these days, but yeah. So I also have some stability work in my assessments as well. And generally speaking off of that, I can start to put together some pieces that they might need to work on. Um, the FMS is a little bit tricky in particular, just because that inline lunge portion, it's like, you know, the feet are in line. And even when you do like a split stance, uh, like a split squat or something like that, you don't necessarily want the feet in line with each other. So it's a little bit funky in that regard to like tell somebody to do that and then expect them not to do something else. But um, the squat as well, I never have anyone yeah. squat the way they do in the FMS. Right. So right, exactly. It's a little. That's ask, just. What's up? Yeah, go ahead. No, we we're just gonna say there's just some components to take a pit with a pinch of salt. So yes, you yeah. can't get a three on the overhead squat, but do Olympic lifters just to my knowledge, they they're not in a uh, hip width apart, feet straight, feet pointing forward stance when they do an overhead squat. But we're sure. observing it. It's a little interesting. I I know. We had gone to that that uh, perform better summit. You know, was it 2018? And there were the guys who created the FMS. They didn't cover the overhead squat, for example. But it just makes me think of you know, is it an interesting factor that you assess something that you don't try and see? I don't know. I just I, I got FMS one level certified a little while back, but I think uh, it's the same with a push up. I was talking to someone about the push up, and this I don't know if I told you this, but I did an equal fit an assessment about two months ago. And the person tore their bicep in the push-up, in the trunk stability push-up component. Did I tell you about that? Yeah. I did. And had surgery. Uh, there was six, seven weeks out, like had their arm and brace and whatnot. And, you know, um, the doctor just say it was like a freak accident, you know? So it was very unfortunate. I've never had that happen. Now, did I feel bad? Yes, because you never want anyone getting injured under your, court, under, mm -hmm. under your watch. Um, but the other thing as well is in the trunk stability push-up, in uh, the FMS for a male, right? You start off with your hands shoulder width apart in line of your forehead. That's the first position. If you can push from there, it's a three, correct? In a trunk, in a FMS. Don't quote me on it, but yeah. And before, like they come down and find me and ridicule me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said the same for this another whole episode. time. You didn't know what the FMS for the trunk stability push up was. No wonder <laughs> these people are tearing triceps in your assessments. So, but that being, that being the case, 
when when do we ever push from here in a horizontal push? Not really. I, I just that's why I think if someone's listening to this and they're looking for assessments or just an assessment tells them one thing, but the movement history or just seeing what the, the client's movement looks like. That's why I just take it with a pinch of salt, you know. Obviously, if they can't reach behind their back, their shoulder mobility looks kind of funky. That's going to show. Now, yes, you don't have them reach behind their back doing, I can't think of any exercises off the top of my head right now, but it also depends what the person wants to wants, wants to get out of the training. So if someone says, I just want to score threes, I mean, we can train to get you to that, but if, and that's, and that's okay. That's just, it's, 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 um, it's client centered. It's specific to what they want to do. So, um, but I think just based on our training history, the majority of people we're working with just want to be able to be pain-free and move better, right? Feel stronger. We, this, this conversation still start, start to talk about, uh, balance and stability. They don't want to be in their 50s, 60s, or 30 in the 50s and 60s. They don't want to be 10, 20 years from now and lose balance and fall over. You know, that uh, I remember talking to someone who was about to have grandchildren. They said, I just want to be able to play with my grandchildren and run with my grandchildren, you know? And that that doesn't that might not sound sexy, um, but that's a life skill they want to be able to have for as long as they want. You know, there's that one exercise in the pre and postnatal workshop I did back in 20. 15 2016 where you do the, you know the shin box exercise and then you can go uh, from shin box to standing on the way up and it's where you uh, start sitting down I'll, I'll maybe we'll do a, a video demo but it's it's an exercise they teach you with a workshop where you can essentially go from a sitting position on the ground without mm-hmm. any hands without using any hands to push up so imagine you're holding a child mm-hmm. and you get into uh, a sort of you sort of bridge onto your knees into a half lunge and then you stand up. So the idea oh, is I if think you're a mother, yeah, I'm pretty sure you know the exercise, but the idea is, oh, if you're a mother, you have core strength and mobility to be able to do that and not worry about pushing through your, pushing mm. the ground, your hand through the ground, right? So any causing any shoulder issues or any stability or like pushing, if you're always on the channel one side, pushing off one side always, you know? So um, I just think that's a um, important exercise they teach you. And I've, I just kept forever with me. And I, I do that with clients just to improve my hip ability. I think it's great. But when I show mothers that to them, it's because they're always doing something. They're always on the go. If they can do something whilst holding the baby, whilst feeding them, like they can, it's a, it's a very useful skill. But I just think certain exercises such as that exhibit stability. Um, most of my clients curse me out when we do it, but they see the benefit later on. Like, uh, I guess, I guess the funny thing I have one client, like, I hate this. And I was like, do you say that about everything? So like, what do you like? And, and it's a good relationship with the client. Don't get me wrong, but it's just funny. They, they don't like the exercise. I'm like, all right, which one's your favorite? They're like, probably none of them. I was like, well, <laughs> there you go. So, but it's, it's a good report. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, and there was something else that you brought up earlier on, which was like, take your time with it. So like, if you're focusing on something stability wise or balance wise, a lot of people just try to rush through it. And I have no idea why it's almost like if your tendency is to fall, you should slow it down, but it's like the tendency is to fall and people just speed it up. And I mm. think it goes to, it ties into the point of what your client said about like, which exercise is your favorite. And he said, none of them. It's like, I think people just kind of fear, not necessarily fear, but just like are more inclined to try to get through the one that they have the most challenges with and then slow down the ones that they can do all day or just like right. do those at a regular tempo or regular pace 
unless advised otherwise. Um, but all the balance work, if I have somebody standing on one leg or I have them doing like a split stance squat, they'll just try to rush into that as much and do it as quickly as possible right. to just get it over with. And it just looks terrible. They're falling over, you know, their foot, their front leg is like all over the place, you know, and this is just body weight stuff, obviously, because you don't want to load that sort of instability, but um, even a step back to balance. Like I just have people step back and then bring that leg forward and then up directly up without touching the ground and then directly back to the starting position. And they just want to, you know, move as fast as possible through it, even if they're falling all over the place. So taking your time through it helps. Um, obviously working with a solid base of support, making sure that you're grounded if you can. So sometimes shoes get in the way. So making sure that your feet um, or there's at least some sort of like minimal, um, you have more maximal ground contact. Um, and sometimes that might be through a shoe because some people only can do balance exercises with shoes because shoes kind of like keep them planted because mm. um, they're like flat. But um, I guess that depends on your foot. I'm not a podiatrist, but I'm assuming like if you have higher arches, that might also affect your uh, stability and your base of support as well compared to somebody who's more flat footed. Um, obviously it comes with other problems as well, but, you know, just like anything, there's pros and cons with anything and you don't get to choose what kind of foot you have. You just, you just, just bought and inherit it. But the, the important topic you talk about there about shoes and it can also, as you said, more, uh, maximal, uh, uh, contact like with the ground, contact. right. Ground yeah. contact. So, and then that's what I've explained to some clients just based on my understanding that, yeah, the shoot can act as a distortion. The shoe can, there's a client we work with. Um, I just think the sneakers aren't ideal for what we're doing. And uh, when we do squats, we take the shoes off. And, oh my God, it's night and day. Mm. Uh, the, it's just the contact with the ground, the cue of clawing the ground of his feet. The the feet aren't collapsing anymore. There's less, there's not really any valgus at this point and everything like, and he's, there are some, habits of deadlifting we're working on but in terms of squats i just taking the shoes off and then balance and the i know you mentioned about the like rushing it and owning it so i know a lot of people when they do something that they struggle they just want to crush it i get it if there's something you struggle with you don't want to endure it and make it more unpleasant i get it it's a natural response something i try and say when i'm working with someone is make sure you own the rep and that might sound corny but if you're just going 100 miles an hour and you have no control i'll just tell them you just didn't you not saying that moon was a waste, but I said, just make it count and you will get better at it. Yeah. The slower you do it, the more you own it, the stronger you're going to feel and the more control you're going to feel when you do it going forward. So with say anti-rotation presses or payload presses, if you just bust those out, I'm sure there's some studies. <laughs> I say bust out, I mean, just aggressively punch out. I'm sure there's some studies that can back up the benefit of doing that, but and that's why I think it's important to tactfully cue and say certain um, explanations of exercise saying, you know, I think this is just more about us growing as professionals than when we explain this stuff. But at the end of the beginning, I may have said that's wrong. But at this point, it's just like, look, no movement is wrong. But for what we're trying to achieve here, we're going to get more out of it if we control more tempo. And I mean by that is just slowing down and just really slowing with your breathing. I was working with someone not long ago about breathing and they were just getting way into it. Look, I'm not, um, I'm not a doctor, um, who, uh, sees patients about their lung health. Right. So I can't speak, oh, well, this is how you should breathe. It's not, I just, I want to focus a little bit on breathing and they dissect a little too much. And I think sometimes 
when queuing people just you know some people forget to breathe and i think we've spoken on previous episodes where i just you know just inhale exhale and the way i explain it as well as i'm not saying this is the only way to breathe in this exercise just based on what i've seen with who i've walked with the breathing this method has seemed to, to yield better results and better performance outcomes so we'll, let's go with it based on trend and that's for also how when someone does an exercise in say for example uh deadlift swing squats just as examples because those are the ones i feel most comfortable with there's no wrong or right way of doing it but going back to the shoe thing um, as we mentioned um i think until i was with alex i never looked at if you look on the street people's feet how they walk whether they're inverted inverted whether the arches are collapsed whether the heels or the shoes are worn in. Do you ever do that, Angel? When you see on the street, do you ever just like people watch? And you, is it quite an interest? I mean, it's not something everyone would do, but what have you noticed when you, when you do that? Um, everybody's different. I think that's, mm. the, that's the resounding thing. <laughs> the resounding thing is that everybody's different. But I, that was just from, you know, checking out my, there was two things actually. One thing is that, I, I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast or offline, but it goes back to the glasses. Like when I didn't have glasses or whatever, I only have like three pairs of glasses. Now I say I'm mm. probably going to like burn through all my glasses. <laughs> but um, I say that because in high school, I didn't like wearing my glasses because, you know, high school people pick on you for all sorts mm. of stuff. I was like, anything, one last yeah. thing. I was like, Doc yeah. said, oh, you got glasses. I was like, fuck that. Are you, are you damn nerd? <laughs> I am not bringing those to school. Um, I'll be blind before I get bullied. <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> like a little diehard um anyway so so but because of that what i started to do was i started being able to notice people like who people were from a distance based on how they were walking as well as like you know what they were wearing and things like that their their expressions like if they were super energetic people and things like that but i could tell who people were just based on like their profile and then obviously like how their profile was moving through space and then you mix that with, you know, the, the PT job that I did some part-time work with. Um, and then I started to notice little things because that was, you know, part of it. Part of it is just observation, observation of the patients, um, not only in with the pathologies or the things that they're recovering from, but then also from a, like an energy standpoint to see like, you know, are they up today? Are they down today? Like what kind of mood are they in? You know, things like that. It just helps you from a customer service standpoint. And then when you go into training, same thing, like you're still looking at people and body. So I have been pretty aware of how people move, um, but maybe on a gross scale or a larger scale first, and then like a little bit more fine tuned um, as it relates to fitness and wellness in the more recent years. But it is interesting to see that. And that's, that's the b biggest theme. People are very different. Everybody's different. And it's surprising that they have so many like cookie cutter things out there. It's like, how can you even have that one? You know, everyone... parents and kids aren't even the same, right? Like, I don't know. Like well, the it's... close and brothers and sisters sometimes. Although your brothers walk like you. Nah. Or you're, you're <laughs> one of them does. The one that I met, he walks just like you. That shit is crazy. <laughs> I was like, holy smokes. Um you yeah you saw that kind of like that that limp i thought it was right? because of your knee surgery <laughs> i thought that's why you walk like that but he walks the exact same way so i don't know we got to see the whole the whole squad come out i'm telling well, you it's the same thing ask alex alex probably uh, i'll ask her but my dad my dad has one well, when my dad walks he almost always has like like he's got somewhere to be so it's always like kind of like 
like this oh he might hate me for saying that but I, no, I, I but know it's, it's not only that though it's like because when you got somewhere to be you just do the same walk just faster yeah it's like you lean like off to one side and then when when Maybe. you when you got somewhere to be you just do that in like a faster motion faster. but it's still the same thing now now if you got somewhere to be you got the scooter and you're attacking yeah, people man. like david well, uh, well no when i was when i went to do the, the check for my lasik and i had to take a call and i couldn't be on the subway so i thought I figured let me just take it on the, on the scooter and it was cool going over the manhattan bridge it was like going up uh, from the low east side i was like nice right but on the way up maybe i had to tell you guys this. i hit like three people on the way up and this was you hit three people yeah, like five. What? When I mean hit people, I don't mean like I just ran them over. What I mean was, they would just walk in the bike lane, not looking, headphones in on their phone, whatever, and I'd hit the brake. And my my scooter, even if it's going twenty miles an hour, was still a brake. The braking distance is still like five to ten feet. So if oh, I brake, yeah. I kind of like skip as I'm braking. I'm wait. I'm ringing my bell, braking, and as I like, I hit them. Like I like nudge them on the elbow or like, like 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 crazy. I'm like check them. Yeah, it wasn't like there's three bodies on the floor yeah, back there exactly. or anything. Like, though, I, but I did knock into people, and it's they were like, looking for you. Yeah, and like I was talking to a member the other day, and she was saying, you know, like you shouldn't ride these on the. Which was nice. She was like, oh, that's like the Rolls Royce, and I was like, yeah, I wish it was a Rolls Royce. Um, but she said, you know, ten years ago I rode my bike on the sidewalk and I got a ticket. I was like, yeah, I just don't think you should ride your bikes on the sidewalks. Yeah. And then uh, she was saying something about you know, uh, no one ever told us about the bike lanes, you know, how it's kind of, I mean, I said, I honestly, the bike lane is kind of like the road where people are going pretty fast and you don't just walk into the road without looking where you're going. And I was trying to be nice. She was nice about it, but I was just kind of how someone else has also said to me, I know you experienced when we would go from Flatiron to OS on the city bike. Cause I was like, ding, 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 ding. Cause people on a dub, I guess a busy avenue, they're just walking. And the crazy thing is I'm not going to hit anyone, but I'm also, people think oh, it's a little sadistic. Like people walk thinking the car's not going to hit them. I don't yeah, stop. That's true. Like no, I that's go true. and they, they're like, oh, they're shocked. And I was like, well, you are walking as red. Like, you know, so, and then the other thing is when people don't look, or yeah. people are, are, are walking the wrong way in the bike lane and looking at me and they're like, oh, and I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You know, so I won't digress into that because I could go on forever, but yeah, just, uh, yeah, anyway, I could go, I could go uh, pretty fast when I go places on the scooter. It's good though, honestly, because it allows me to have a longer walk of Alfie or something and then just go to a climb. And then also peace of mind, like with you and your bike, like, you know, if you have to get somewhere from A to B at a certain time, like, you know, you can guarantee you'll leave that time as opposed to, Oh, I should leave 20 minutes early in case the train's going to be late. Yeah. Oh my God. Screw the MTA system, subway system. I'm so glad I don't have to rely on that, honestly. But um, yeah, it just, just a nightmare. But pretty much, yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk about it offline because I got some notes on that one too. All right. But I don't want to like self-incriminate myself. So <laughs> well, you need just, we'll just to be clear, stuff. no one, no one was injured in my instance, just to be clear. There we go. Yeah, All right. Let's wrap, let's wrap this thing up. So again, circling back for stability, make sure you have a solid foundation, make sure your base support is secure um, and or change the base support, manipulate that in order to continue to um, challenge your stability and get better and slow the movements down. You got to slow it down. It doesn't matter if you do 15, 20 crappy reps, you know, if your legs are all over the place, like a puppet. You got to keep yourself grounded. You got to go through the movement slowly, efficiently, and it's better to do like one or two really good and then stop it there as opposed to burning through, 
you know, 30 repetitions and having them be all over the place. So agreed. Call it there. We'll see you guys in the next one. Wrap it up. Have a good one, guys. Peace.